Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. All right. Good morning. Just a couple of quick uh, quick details on the uh, Moose Country Brunch um, at Warehouse 2565. You do have to purchase tickets for it. it it's a brunch, and you, you really just can't show up at the door and uh, expect to get in. Uh, they, when we first started it, they were expecting to have, I think they were going to sell, they were think, looking like they might sell 60 tickets. I think they sold 160 tickets. And so it completely sold out last time. And we expect that it'll probably sell out this time, and it's an incredible opportunity that uh, we've been, a- been given to a partner with, uh, we get a partner with Moose Country every week. If you don't, haven't listened to us, Thursday mornings, I'm on the radio from 7 to 7, 20, 25, and we do a little thing called Therapy Thursday. Anybody ever hear of that? All right, like five, five people? Well, okay, well, it's, it's, really, it's really a well-liked program, so just so you know, it's, it's actually more than five people like it. And then other story, Linnea, I don't know if you picked up on it, when Linnea was talking about it, um, she looked over at me and she said, two, when we were in London, um, when we were in London, <laughs> she's looking at me, she's like, I can't believe you're going to tell this story. When we were in London, uh, we would walk into restaurants and Linnea would go, there's two of us? And the guy would go, whoa, 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 we do not do that. And we're like, what? And he goes, you Americans, this is two, this is something really bad. And so, so Linnea, she said two, and she looked over at me, and I was like, good job, you did that well, good job. So just so you know, just so you know, we're not, af- we're not afraid of telling bad stories on, from the stage, especially if they're about other people, I don't really tell my own. But anyway, anyway, super glad you're here this morning. In just a moment, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 9. Before we do, we're going to pray over our tithes and offerings. Um, I was so impressed with this particular passage that we're going to look at. And we're going to look at the backside. We're not even going to get to the passage that I that blew me away. We're going to be talking about Noah. We're going to be talking about when we get to this particular section of um, Genesis chapter 9, the flood has happened, the waters have receded, and he's and his family are getting off the ark. And it's interesting, the very first thing that Noah does, and it's probably the very first thing that you would do too, the very first thing that Noah does is he gets off the ark, and it says that he offers a sacrifice. It's interesting, the word for tithing and giving is many different words in Scripture. Sometimes it's called a sacrifice. Sometimes it's called an offering. Sometimes it's called generosity. Sometimes it's called tithing. All, all of them mean the same thing. It, it's this moment for a person who's a believer where you recognize that God has supplied your needs and you're just grateful. And then when Noah gets off the ark, it's this moment where God has supplied all of his needs. He has protected his family. This this catastrophic event, he gave him protection through it and he gave him heads up for it. And he gets off the boat and the very first thing it says in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 is Noah um, built an altar to the Lord. And he just came back and he just said, Lord, I'm so thankful. Thank you. And so as we pray over our tithing and offering this morning, 
It's just a space for me that it's sacred. And I believe that it's a, a moment of, of the people who do give their tithes and their offerings. It's not because of like, hey, this is like, like if you don't, you don't love Jesus. But I know that for Lene and I, it's a space for us where it's just like, we are so grateful for what the Lord's done in our lives. And we believe this moment is sacred. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for your generosity and your goodness and your protection. And so, Lord, right now, as we, uh, as we um, pray over the tithes and offerings that come into the downtown Vineyard Church, whether it's today on Sunday or through PayPal or however they come in, through the mail, Lord, we would just say we're so grateful for those and that we know that those are sacred. Those are, those are gifts given because of the way that you, Lord, provide. And so we pray over those and we say, would you use our tithes and offerings for our church? Would you use them for your kingdom? And Lord, this physical act, Lord, would you turn it into spiritual kingdom work? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's keep looking at the book of Genesis. I'm going to remind you of a few things. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to save the passage. Usually I read the passage in the very beginning. I'm actually going to save that passage for my very last point. I, I, I think the Lord wants to do something real special with that today. And so as we look at the book of Genesis, today I'm going to give you this big overarching kind of view. We're going to cover three or four chapters with just kind of talking about like, so this is what happened. Um, the book of Genesis was written by Moses. Just a reminder, it was written to the children of Israel, and it was written while they were in the desert, like they're in the middle of the desert, and they've kind of lost their way. They, they kind of started out with this big bang of God's going to save us, and God has good plans for us, and, and, and God's going to free us. And then they end up in the desert for 40 years. They end up not reaching the promised land very quickly. In all of those moments, they begin to complain and they begin to say, God, why did you even bring us out here? They literally lost sight of the promises of God. Have you ever lost sight of the promises of God? Like, right? Have you ever had God give you promises and then like you knew them, you had them, they were deep in your heart. And then somewhere along the way, maybe they just didn't happen as fast as you thought they were going to happen. Maybe you went through something really, really hard. Like you weren't expecting to go through something hard. Like God's going to give you a promise and then he's going to like take you through this crazy time that messes with your head and messes with your faith. That's what happened for the children of Israel. And so they not only lose their way, they lose their purpose, and they lose their identity. I, I think lots of people have done that. You see, as we read this book, it's super fascinating also. You need to know that as, we're, as I'm teaching through the book of Genesis, and I'm going to teach through it all year long, you also need to know the book of Genesis is not a book of history, although it has a lot of history in it. It has a ton of history in it. It actually probably has more history in it than any other book. It was not written as a history book. It also uh, is not a book of science. That so many people use Genesis to like, like as, as, as science. It's not science. Although it does explain the cosmos. It explains some science, but it, but it wasn't written for science. It was literally written 
to help Israel know who they came from so they could know where they were going to. Right? Like some of the, sometimes the very best way to re-dial in on where you're supposed to be headed is to look back and see where you came from. Like, like if you've ever had a moment in your life where you're like, like, you know what, sometimes I get lost in my Jesus life. Sometimes I'm like, am I making any progress as a Jesus follower? And then all I have to look back and think about party Paul at 18. <laughs> Completely different guy. Completely different guy. It was actually funny. Uh, I was walking into service, and, and I got to say hi to some people, and somebody looked at me, and they said, hey, we're glad to be here. And I, they looked at me, and they said, aren't you glad that nobody comes to church and says, oh, it's Paul, and then they leave? And I said, no, no, you need to know, I've been in church long enough that that's happened to me plenty of times. <laughs> you know? And so you come back. And so literally when we pick up in chapter nine, chapter 9 today, the reason I say it's not a book of history is because when Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 9 has been 1,656 years. That means we lost a lot of history. We have some stories in there, but it's not a book of history. From, from Adam to Noah is 1,656 years. When we get to Noah, all the people that he knew outside of his immediate family, are now dead. They, they're dead. They're, they're gone. He, he lives in a new world. He lives in a world that none of us can fathom, none of us can imagine. Literally, outside of him, his wife, his three boys, and their wives, everybody's dead. At this moment that we're going to pick up on the story, they get out of the ark and they've literally been living in a boat with animals for 370 days. That sounds terrible. Like, that just sounds like, like you can't even fathom that moment. And so I want you to pick up on a couple of things. Here's the first thing. I'm going to give you three things this morning. First thing that I want you to pick up on in this story of Noah is that God always... If you're writing things down, write this down and underline the word always. God always has a plan to save the righteous. Oh, we're getting so good at this game. I am so manipulative when I do that, just so you know. No, but like really, truthfully, that's an amen moment. Like as a believer, you gave your life to Jesus. There's not a person in here, if you, if you gave your life to Jesus, you believe that Jesus saved you. Amen. Right? Like you believe that. Like you believe that. I believe that. And I believe that God always has a plan to save the righteous. There's an old saying in Christianity that says, if you were the only person on the planet, God would give his son for you. Now, now, you need to hear, before I, before I go on with that statement, you need to hear, I've grown up in church my whole life. I was a little, I mean, I was diapers going to church. I've heard pastors say that so many times. If you were the only person on the planet, God would, God would send his son to save you. And I would sit in those seats and I would go, yeah, maybe. Like, that feels like a big statement. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. 
Like maybe he could come up with a better way. Maybe he'd do something different. But the actual truth is, that is an actual true statement. If you were the only righteous person on the planet, God would save you. Because we know that Noah, Scripture says, was the only righteous person on the planet. And God saved him. Like God always, always has a plan to save the righteous. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. You see, when you look through Scripture, there's story after story after story after story where God looks down and says, hey, there are righteous people here, and I am going to save them. Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, the angel comes to Lot and says, Lot, you need to gather your family. We're going to talk about this story in a few weeks. Lot, you need to gather your family. You need to gather your family and get out of here. And you need to get out of here because God's going to destroy the city, but he's going to save you because you're righteous. He's going to save you because of your righteousness. When we see the parable of the lost sheep, Genesis, Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, um, uh, Jesus is telling the story, and he says, he says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, what will he do? Wouldn't he leave the 99 on the hill and go search for the lost sheep? Like there is this passage and there is this theme that we want to see. We want to understand that when we read about scripture and we read about God, that God has a wonderful plan for your life. I've been saying that for five weeks now. God has a wonderful plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan for your life. But you also need to hear that God always has a plan to save the righteous. God always has his plan to save the righteous. Now, here's the part that we need to spend some time talking about. You see, even as I make that statement, my guess would be there would be a lot of people sitting in the room today that would go, yeah, but Paul, I'm not righteous. Like, like, I, like if you only knew the stuff that I do, if you only knew the thoughts that I had, like, I'm not righteous. Well, here's the great part about Noah. You see, the other part that, that we want to pick up on this passage, the other theme is this. Righteous people aren't perfect people. Righteous people aren't perfect people. Righteousness literally means to be in right standing with God. That's, that's what the word means. To be righteous is that you're in right standing with God. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. Jesus was perfect. Noah was righteous. Jesus was perfect. Noah was righteous. Noah wasn't perfect, but he was in right standing with God. You and I are not perfect. You can turn to your neighbor right now and say, he's preaching to you right now. Right now. You are not perfect. Pastor Paul knows you. He knows you. But we do have right standing with God. Because of Jesus, we have right standing with God. Romans 3.24 says, Yet God in his grace freely, catch this, he freely makes us right in his sight. 
He did this through Christ Jesus. When he freed us from the penalty of sin. Did you catch the last part? What did he free us from? Did he free us from sin? No. He freed us from the penalty of sin. Right? Like, in his sight, because of Jesus, he looks down at you and he goes, hey, we're good. That's already been paid. You and I, we're good. Like, like no, we're, it's good. I think, I think Genesis is fascinating. Because Noah does two things after he gets off the ark. The very first thing that he does is he makes an altar to the Lord and he gives sacrifice. He literally gets off the boat and they build an altar and they like commemorate this moment and they say, God, thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision. Lord, we are your servants. We humbly come before you like God, thank you. They build an altar to the Lord. And then if you read down about a few more passages, then the next thing he did is he got really, really drunk. Like, that's fascinating. In church, we're like, oh, we can't laugh at that. No, that's like, like that's, that's so human. That is so human. How many of you guys have ever, like, had a great Sunday and then left church and got really, really mad at somebody? You're like, last week. Human. It's so human that to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and then still struggle with your behavior. It's so human. It's so relevant. Because see, one of the things I love about Scripture, I love that Scripture doesn't fake it. Like, okay, if you give your life to Jesus, it's going to be amazing. No, 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 like, you give your life to Jesus, and then you have to look at the people that you lead to Jesus. You're like, you should give your life to Jesus. And then they do, and then you're like, oh, man, and it's going to get really, really hard. <laughs> you just made the best decision, and oh, man, this is going to get hard on you. Right? We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that has spiritual battles. We live in a world where we battle our own issues. The Bible Never sugarcoats. It doesn't make Noah out to be better than he really was. Because really, you're not supposed to pretend to be better than you really are. If it was nothing but the grace of God that saved me. It's nothing but the grace of God that saves you. Like, the reason we make sacrifice, the reason we give thanks, is because we, at the end of the day, we get to look up and say, God, thank you for saving me. I am a sinner who needs salvation. Noah loved God, and he still had a sin problem. And the truth is, sin is our biggest issue. It was the biggest issue in the garden. It was the biggest issue in Adam and Eve's family. It was the biggest issue in Noah's life. And it is the biggest issue in our lives. You see, I believe that there's four problems with sin. I believe the first is we're born with it. Like, what I mean by we're born with it is it's literally in our nature. Like, we have a sin nature. And if you say, like, really, Paul, you really think that little kids, like, they're so innocent, they're so beautiful, like, there's no way they have a sin nature, then you have a lost memory. <laughs> like, 
I can't believe, like when my kids were little, you'd look at them and tell them to do something, and they would just look back at you and go, nope, I ain't going to do it. Like, you'd, I, there was this moment when Brittany was really little, and we walk in the kitchen, and she has taken all 18 eggs out and broke them on the ground. Like, there's just this big pile of eggs. And besides the eggs, she has taken this marker and she has written her name on the wall. And Linnea goes walking in and she's like, Brittany, what did you do? And Brittany goes, I didn't do that. <laughs> but Brittany, that's your name on the wall. And she's like, nope, I don't know. How'd, how'd that get there? I don't know. I didn't do that, mom. It was just there. Like, you don't have to teach kids to lie. Kids learn to lie by just nature. Right? Like, so the first problem is we have a sin nature. Noah had a sin nature. He loved the Lord and he was thankful for the Lord. But he had a sin nature because we're born with it. The second thing is we're blind to it. We're blind to it. Isn't it amazing how many things that you do that you wished you didn't do? And how many times somebody will point it out and you'll look at them and go, yeah, that, I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> and your whole family knows it's a problem. Like everybody knows it's a problem but you. And you're like, no, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think I do that. Sit down with your family and ask them be, to be honest about your life. Oh, oh, now we're going to get quiet. <laughs> so this is the moment we get quiet. No, I ain't doing that. I mean, like, no, like, like, I'm not doing that. No, no, no. We have a sin nature. We're born with it, and we're so blinded by it. Jesus talks about our sin nature in Matthew chapter 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus just starts saying, hey, listen, this is how you live a life that honors God. If you do these things, it doesn't. If you do these things it does and he comes to our sin nature and he just basically he says he says why do you judge others without judging yourself why is it so easy to point out the plank in somebody else's eye and ignore the plank in yours you see this is this is our sin nature it's easy to see sin in others it's hard to see sin in our own lives it's easy to see the things that you need to take care of, and it's really easy for me to ignore the things that I need to take care of. You see, the third thing is in our sin nature. First, we're born with it. Second, we're blind to it. But third is, we choose it. Like, we choose it. Like, like we're so blind to it that sometimes we're doing things we don't even know we're doing, but then sometimes we do what we want to do no matter who it offends. We, we just like, yep, I'm doing that. Hey, you know that you shouldn't do that. Yep, I know. Yep, I know. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. Ever hear that one? Like, yeah, I use that a lot. <laughs> like, we choose it. But here, here's why. You see, we're born with it. We're blind to it, and we choose it, but ultimately it's because we're controlled by it. You get that, right? You, you get that. 
that ultimately it's because we're controlled by it. Paul is literally the one that says, you know that there's nothing that good that lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do the things that are wrong, but I do them anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is the sin that lives in me. You see, I think there's this really easy litmus test that Paul gives us in this passage. I think it's an easy litmus test that talks about our sin nature. And it just is this. Have you ever done anything that you wished you hadn't done? Like, like you literally, you look back and you're like, you're like, oh, geez, why did I do that? Or, let me, let me say this. Have you ever said anything you wished you hadn't said? That you just regret. And you're just, you're just like, why did I say that? Like, what would make me say that? Or, or maybe, maybe, it, maybe you didn't say it, maybe you didn't do it, but maybe there's these moments where you're like, I can't believe I even have those thoughts. If people knew what I was thinking, they would just be like, you're what? You, you said what? You thought what? I was in a conversation with somebody, and they looked at me, and they said, hey, just so you know, like, most of what I, I, I hold back most of what I think. And I said, why do you do that? They're like, because if you knew what I thought, you would think differently of me. See, this is this really interesting thing that Paul's talking about. He's talking about our sin nature, and, and he's just saying the litmus test is this, is that you even surprise you. Like, sin has such control in our lives that, one, we ignore it. Uh, two, we, we, we're blind to it. But three, like, we're so blind to it that we can't control it. Paul tells Timothy, he says, he says in 1 Timothy 1, 15, he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and then he pauses. Now catch this, he pauses, and then he says, and I'm the worst of them all. Like there was this moment for Paul where he was able to recognize that if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for Jesus, his life would have taken on a completely different trajectory. If it wasn't for Jesus, that Jesus saved him, he was this righteous man that he kept all the command, all the Jewish commands. He kept them so much that he even gave, he even gave permission, and he was even given permission to kill Jews in the name of Judaism. Like he, he chased down Christians and he was so righteous that in his righteousness he was literally killing men, women, and children and then patting himself on the back and saying, man, look at me, I'm a really good Jew. And so when he says, I'm the chief sinner, he's saying, I've done things that nobody else would even think about doing. I've participated in things that I can't get out of my mind and I can't get out of my head, but I can get the forgiveness of my Lord and Savior. I can get salvation. I can be forgiven. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, 
of which I am the chief sinner. Paul says this after he's given his life to Jesus. Paul says this after he's planted eight churches. Paul says this after he's encouraged thousands upon thousands of people (coughs) to follow Jesus. And what Paul is saying is righteous people aren't perfect people, but righteous people are forgiven people. Righteous people aren't perfect, but righteous people are forgiven. How many times have you had an incredible moment with the Lord, and then shortly after there, the enemy tries to steal it? How many times have you had an incredible moment with the Lord, and then shortly after there, you have to repent for something or say you're sorry for something? You see, I love Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Here's the last thing that I want to give you. You see, I want to close with point three. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. You see, I believe this. The beautiful part about Genesis chapter 9 is the story of God's promise to you and I. You see, I believe this. I believe that you and I, in spite of our brokenness, we get to trust the promises of God. Like, the whole point of Jesus is that we get to trust the promises of God. You see, I think there's this thing, and I've never heard another pastor teach on it, but there's this moment for me where, studying this week, I was thinking about Noah. And God gives Noah this promise of a rainbow. And I think that that promise of a rainbow was, wasn't just this beautiful little story about, and God, Noah and Adam and Noah and his family got off the ark, and God said, hey, and Noah, now from now on, if you see this rainbow, that look, you just know that you can just trust my promises. No, I, I actually believe this. I, I believe that when Noah and his family got off the ark, they had experienced so much trauma that there is this moment for them. Uh, maybe you can imagine. Maybe a little bit of time goes by and now all of a sudden they look off into the distance and they start to see a thunder head begin to form. And all of a sudden they begin to recognize that it's going to rain. And all of a sudden Noah and his boys gather on a hill and they look up and they're like, oh, Dad, should we get back in the ark? Like, Dad, is it going to rain again? Like, the rain for them had to have caused some sort of trauma. They lost everybody they knew. They were on on the ark for 370 days. They have to start their whole life over. And there's this moment for them that the thunderhead and the lightning and the rain begins to cause some trauma. And the Lord comes and says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Trust my promise. I gave you my promise. You see, there's this thing that happens for people when they've experienced trauma. That all of a sudden, when something begins to happen again, the enemy comes back and then says, hey, you know you're going to go through it again. Hey, you know you can't trust God. Hey, you know God wiped out your entire family. Hey, you know that God, like God didn't protect you during that thing. God protected you, but all these other people went through a whole bunch of pain. And when God gives Noah and his family the rainbow, it was this moment of like, hey, Noah, you keep your eyes on me. 
You can trust me. I gave you a warning. I, I, I protected your family in the ark. I protected your family. Look, like Noah, look for the rainbow. Look for the promise. It says this in verses 8 through 17. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds and the livestock and all the wild animals and every living creature on earth. Yes, I'm confirming my covenant with you. Never again will, I, will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. And then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all the living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the cloud. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all the living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow, when, when I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. And then God said to Noah, Yes, the rainbow is the sign of the covenant. I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. Here's, here's what I'm saying this morning. Like, some of you may be struggling with trusting God because of what you've been through. And there's this space that when you go through something, you look for the promises that God made you. That you can trust God with what you're going through. Some of you love Jesus deeply, but you struggle with your sin nature. And you're wondering, like, am I even saved? And what I would say to that is this. Like, do you still love Jesus? Do you have the ability to repent and say, Lord Jesus, would you please forgive me? Lord, would you come into my life? Do you embrace the promises of God in your life? I believe that God has an incredible plan for you. I believe it's a plan of salvation, that he always has a plan to save the righteous. Today I'm going to invite our ministry team to come forward. And that it just... If the Lord's speaking to you today about whatever, maybe it's about what we talked about. Maybe you have something else going on in your life and you just want to gather with somebody else to pray. Scripture says where two or three are gathered together, there the Lord's presence is. And so as we go to this last couple worship songs, would I ask our, worship te- our ministry team to come out and be ready to pray with people? And if you need prayer, would you just make your way out of your aisle and find someone to pray with you? We love you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's stand. We're going to close with some prayer, but uh, before I do, I really felt before service, and I shared this with some of our pastoral team, I really felt like the Lord wanted to do some healing in the area of trauma. Uh, I think some of that's sickness. I think that, like, like that's physical trauma, like your body's been through something and you're still trying to recover and I, if that's you, I'd like to pray for you after service. I think that's also emotional trauma. I, I think there's a space where it's like we're trying to heal, um, but we're not healed yet. But we're also not sure how to move forward. And so I think there's a space that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make room for directly after this service that we would like to pray for you if you're struggling with some sort of trauma, physical 
or emotional. Now, I would love for us all to pray this prayer together. It'll be on the screens over, our, over my shoulders. And I'd love for you to put your hands out. And this prayer really is this space where we're just going to pause for a second. And if you are thankful for how God has showed up in your life, and yet you still struggle with your sin nature, would you pray this prayer with me out loud? I'll pray it. I'll, I'll lead us in it. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need your spirit to lead me and to guide me and to teach me your ways so that my life will bring glory and honor to your kingdom. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.